We've been experiencing a very chaotic world the last few months. The one that has prior military background can't quite understand what's going on in the world. I'm going to be praying about that, uh, pray for our so-called leadership and the chaos that's going on in our world. I'm friends with a number of Afghan interpreters and friends of, friends of the Afghan. I'm going to try to give you bits and pieces of truth that sometimes the fake news isn't giving you. But we thank you for your prayer support. We, we consider it a real privilege coming into your homes by way of radio and YouTube and information from other means that's transforming. I just want to thank the staff behind me that just is doing such a remarkable job to, of maintaining this because many of you are shut-ins, many of you are unable to come to church, and this is your sole means of communication in prior to us shutting down, you know, we, your, uh, by way of television or radio and other means, you know, and we thank you for the privilege of, of utilizing this time. We're still waiting on our organist, and what we're going to do is when she arrives, we're going to turn to our hymns, but I, I believe we need to turn to God in prayer at this time. Have a word of prayer, shall we? We sense that in our world, certainly believe in a post-tribulation that Christians are going to be raptured. But there are others that believe we're mid-trib, uh, mid-trib people that we're experiencing a lot of tribulation in our days, in our life right now. We ask, O oh Lord, that during the next few minutes of, of worship that you'd give us some discernment, lead us away from a lot of the fake news that we are hearing. And we ask, O oh Lord, Give us discernment in the times that we are living in. In, in 2020, just a little less than a year ago, President Trump announced that he was beginning talks with the Taliban to effectuate a peaceful, a peaceful withdrawal. President Trump at that time explained that there were myriad, many conditions to the withdrawal all aimed at forcing the Taliban to let people and the military equipment of nearly $100 billion out safely. And it's likely that if President Trump had been in charge, scenes like the ones we've seen on television wouldn't be played endlessly across Afghanistan. One of my uh, confidences in the military he speaks very highly of his Afghan interpreter. And the Afghan interpreter stated that he's come to know and well over the years was an individual interpreter that he, he'd known and he went to for trusted interpretation, was hung, was hung in the streets last night. They melted his DOD. That was the Department of Dis defense ID into his chest. They cut off his arms, they killed his family, and his only remaining sibling was a 10-year-old daughter who was spared and handed off to the leadership of the Taliban. Lord, we pray for discernment that we're not gullible enough to believe in 
some of the news information that may be coming out. Biden pulled out from Afghanistan has been the, the worst managed event in American history. I remember vividly, and many of us remember vividly, Saigon as an example of an administration that knew exactly how bad, how bad it would be. And there's a lot of finger-pointing going on now, but, but at the very bottom, very bottom people are wondering if this unconditional Taliban takeover, including the trapped, the trapped Americans, is a, is a deliberate, a deliberate policy. What was it, the government thinking and what did they want? And as we realize, and we need to be reminded of a little background that we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years now, and ostentiously to, to nation build, to build a nation, uh, uh, nations like Germany and Japan who, who through, though we completely defeated them and we installed ourselves as power, we only slowly releasing power if they fully embraced our Western dem democratic values. And we will still stayed for over 70 years keeping an eye on things. We never flattened Afghanistan. Instead, we imposed ourselves on top of a very med medieval Islamic country, including those, the LBG, the whole LBGQ, the so-called plus madness. It, and it worked for those already geared to Western values and those looking to take American money. And the Afghanis, many members of which were brave, they were brave fighters, clearly would never be ready to lose their training, training wheels, so to speak. And with their training wheels, we withdrew. Some, some of us may remember which embodies the problems of, of both the culture and the competency. Father, we just pray this morning that you give us discernment for additionally the former administration had a comprehensive crisis response for a situation such as the one, namely uh, this sudden military collapse requiring mass evacuation and our current administration canceled that plan in June. Indeed, Biden, from his first day in office, canceled everything President Trump had done. And the goal was to erase any remnants of his presidency. And with strokes of the pen, our, our borders vanished. MS, other treasonous and killers and crossed our border and currently are crossing our border and our, our economy has become broken, our energy independence ended, race became a, a paramount concern and, and transgenders were everywhere. And with that track record, why in the world would Biden insist in his leaders that because Trump wanted to pull out of Afghanistan, Biden really had no choice but to follow up on that promise. This of all things is 
one of Trump's policies he leaves in place. And why, why in this world would, would an even marginally competent military and State Department be caught unaware by the Taliban and, and depart in such haste that they left behind every bit of military equipment, nearly $100 billion in weaponry, and at the very least, they could have destroyed the weapons, vehicles, and places, but they didn't. Was this planned? Was this orchestrated? Our worst fears, things are playing out as they are, complete with violence, death, chaos, massive risk of hostage crisis and bartering, because that's, could it be, that's what the government wants, much as they want an open border. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would give us discernment during these times because many things are, seem to be coming apart. And you reminded us when things seem to be coming apart, they're, they're actually falling in place for the destruction of America. And we ask ourselves, whoever and whomever is in power right now, whoever is really pulling the strings and, and did not not know that they could do anything that want to change this, and, and, and they're not. America has the intel, the intelligence ability to know when every sparrow, when every sparrow passes gas, but as the Taliban acts, it seems like we're not surprised, and likewise we we have the military capability to stop the Taliban in its tracks. Even now, the problem is, is what's going on? The Taliban's main base is not Afghanistan, but it's Pakistan, and that Islamic bad is, is the only region the government with nuclear capabilities combining those factors help explain why there's no urgency to correct those events that are going to Afghanistan. We pray for Russia and China, who is joining forces, and the U.S. helps fund a good portion, if not all, of the Pakistani defense budget in terms of military and intelligence services like the ISIS. Who controls our government satellites and other armaments has been watching the Taliban taking control of abandoned U.S. military equipment and bases, bringing it back east into Pakistan. The NSA and, and the NGILA are, are watching this happen in, in real time, and, and there's, they're doing nothing to stop it, and why not? So what the Afghans will tell you is, is that the United States seem to choose this outcome. The United States government's choice changes this, even today, and they don't do it. They, they don't use the leverage they have with Pakistan. They'll give you some 5,000 reasons, but it doesn't matter. For the government, Pakistan matters, and Afghanistan seems does not matter, although as, as pointed out, if we're familiar with our history in the monologue, we're left in a desperate flood of Americans in, as Afghan refugees. We ask, O oh Lord, that you'd help America in these very dangerous, dangerous crossroads. 
It appears that our beloved America is being led by an incompetent administration, but it's probably worse. She's led by a people who wish to fundamentally transform America and, and place purported global, globalist global goals about American life and who don't care how many people die to achieve their goals. We pray locally, Lord, for the many concerns that we have in our church for our own survival and as we bring the truth and the life and the way and many people appreciate that and help us to be directed by the majority rather than the so-called critical minorities. We give us and we give you praise, Father, as you lead us in worship, as Mike comes and prepares to share, as we share our scripture from Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. We ask, O Lord, that you would bless our, our worship as we share our, our hymns when our organist arrives. And we pray, Father, that your spirit would guide and direct us in the hymns that we sing and the scripture that is read, scripture Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. And as we gather now, we turn to our opening hymn, All People That on Earth Do Dwell. And as we stand, Lord, we pray that those by way of television and radio may be encouraged by this hymn as we turn in our opening hymn and as we stand to proclaim your word. All people that on earth do dwell, purple number 75, and we come in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd stand with me now, if you feel comfortable standing, turn to our opening hymn, All People That on Earth Do Dwell, purple hymn number 75, please.
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated in our praise song. His name is Wonderful, uh, Purple Hymnals number 174, a favorite of Marilyn Borden and George Masika as they celebrate their birthdays. You may be seated and let us turn to His Name is Wonderful, Purple number 174, please. As I mentioned earlier, our scripture lesson is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. Many of you have been appreciating the fact that we've been really dealing a lot with the Gospel of Luke. So we're continuing the, that study. And if you have any wants or wishes, if you have a concern of how we're presenting our message by way of television or radio, do let us know. Do let us know. We appreciate any words of, of information. So according to God's word now, Luke chapter 9, 12, 17. Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17, please. The day was drawing to a close. Now, can you imagine the end of the day and a, a busy day of ministry? I grew up on the farm, and the farm was a busy time. We we always like to work from sun up to sundown. And the days were full of taking care of the cattle and the pigs and the chickens and all kinds of activities and, and putting in the crops and taking out the crops and, and throwing hay bales and, and working on the machinery if, if there were days of rain. And we were always kind of tired by the end of the day. And, but um, it was a good kind of tiredness. And oftentimes in the ministry, when I do weddings and funerals and that, it's a different kind of tiredness because your your mental and your psychological, your emotional fatigue catches up with you and, and causes you a lot of body fatigue too. And I can imagine what Jesus was feeling at this particular time because the day was drawing to a what? A close. And the 12, you know, the supportive cabinet here of Jesus, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, 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 send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside 
Send them away to their homes to, to lodge and to get provisions, for we are in a deserted place. But Jesus said to them, you give them. You give them something to eat. And then the disciples said, we have no more. We have no more than the five loaves and the two fish. And unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000, 5,000 men. Say it with me, men. Now that could have been, you know, that could have been compounded two to three times because a lot of the men in those days, you know, they, they married, they had children, they had big families, but the head count was men there. And then Jesus said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and he blessed and he broke them and he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and they were filled. What was left over was gathered up 12 baskets, 12 baskets of broken pieces. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Jesus traveled with his disciples to Bethesda for privacy and to bless them. He thought of the remote village of Bethesda because it was on the river and surrounded by about five miles of desert. It was about five miles away from Capernaum. The shoreline crowd likely saw the boat heading towards Bethesda and followed it there. Towards the end of the day, the disciples asked Jesus to send the crowd away because they realized they didn't have enough food or even lodging for this large of a crowd. Although asked, Jesus did not send them away, but he instead spoke to them about his Father God's kingdom, and he also healed those in need. Asking Jesus to send the crowd away wasn't necessarily selfishness on the disciples' behalf because they obviously realized that they didn't have enough food or lodging for the, all the large crowd. But they misunderstood and underestimated Jesus. Jesus could and would not send them away, but he did respond to the request in the only way, only way he knew. He told the disciples to feed the crowd. Remember, this is a very large crowd. Our scripture says it was about 5,000 people. They only counted men. They didn't count women and children. So the true number was probably close to 15,000. The Lord telling them to feed that large crowd had the disciples literally astounded. They were perplexed. They said, hey, how are we going to feed this crowd with five loaves of bread and two fish? That was unnecessary concern. They had just returned from the missionary trip with the Lord's instructions to not bring anything 
not food or anything with them, or money. Jesus then told them to set the crowd down in groups of 50. And after they had done that, Jesus took the fish and the bread, he looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks. He blessed the meager amount of food and broke the bread. After the blessing, he handed the food to the disciples and instructed them, hey, pass this out to these 50 groups. After the crowd had eaten and was full, the disciples were then ordered to pick up the leftovers, fill 12 baskets. Don't make the same mistake I did here. I figured 12 baskets was the leftovers from the crowd. It probably wasn't. Most likely it was left over from the food, the bread, and the fish that the Lord has blessed and created. Like I say, they had just been back from being sent on a missionary trip where they were told not to bring any food or money. So I'm not quite sure why the disciples didn't think the Lord could do this, because he obviously could and did. To end my sermon, I'd like to tell you that we should always be thankful to the Lord because he makes so many miracles for us. It could be the littlest thing. It could be the decor you find on your bottom of your floor in your car. It could be the last little bit of milk you could have in the fridge. It's not uncommon for the Lord to, to multiply this meager amount, this meager amount of food or whatever, for us. We often don't know exactly how or when God will bless us. But we should have confidence that he will. This is called faith. Remember this. He has, he does, and he will bless you and each of us. Not because of who we are, God forbid, not because of us, but because of him, what he did, and who Jesus was, and where we place our faith. Thank you. Thank you. You can probably be prepared to share with us how things are going in um, your, your life and your family and, and your wife's family at the close of the service. Maybe be prepared for any ongoing prayer requests. Some people would come along and say that, you know, God's doing this. No, God's um, not causing all this destruction and that. It's fallen, fallen human beings. There's many demonic forces that are at work in our news media and, and you know, sometimes um, naive Christians, you know, almost support this. And we can't be naive in these days and times that we live in. We got to be discerned of the time, as God's word demands us. We don't want to be like the scribes and the Pharisees, the so-called learned individuals that missed out on the first coming of Christ. Very protective of their religion and their formats and their dis disciplines, but not open to the Spirit of God. In our verses of Scripture today, the miracle 
And truly, this was a miracle that was described in these verses as is more frequently related in the Gospels than, than any other that our Lord wrought, the miracles of the, the blessings. And this was a miracle that, you know, really put his ministry on the forefront. Probably caused him a lot of destruction among those religious leaders of the day because he gained a lot of attention. People couldn't explain it. People couldn't explain it. And how fickle, how fickle humanity is, how they could turn on him on Palm Sunday and say how, you know, Hosanna, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord, and just a few days later, you know, cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Human nature over the years has never changed. There is no doubt that there's a meaning, a very deep meaning in, in this repetition that he causes for you and I to be very mindful of. It's intended to draw our, our special attention, our special attention to the things which, which it contains. We see for one thing in these verses a, a striking example, an example of our Lord Jesus Christ's divine power. We should never minimize the divine power. We shouldn't be like maybe some of our presidents in the past, Jefferson and that, who believed that Christ was a mighty miracle worker, but, you know, these, these miracles, and I, I understand one Bible commentator said that they all took their little brown bags and they put it together, and, and they had a kind of a big smorgasbord together, and it was kind of like a, a get-together kind of like a modern-day Woodstock. No, there was a miracle of divine power here. He feeds an assembly of 5,000 men with five loaves and two fishes. He, Jesus makes a, a scanty supply of these vital nutrients of bread and fish, which was barely sufficient for the daily wants of himself and his disciples to satisfy the company as large as a Roman legion. There could be no mistake about the reality and the, and the greatness, the greatness of this miracle. Now, many of you have requested bulletins that, because you like to follow along when, by radio and television and you, put, you fill out the little outlines in the bulletins and we appreciate hearing from you. Postage is running high, and we've recently run out of our postage, and we've been using personal, personal postage to send out those letters, those bulletins, so you can follow along. It was done here um, publicly and before many witnesses. Can you imagine? You and I having a potluck and... And just having a few elementary items, I remember once in Staples, I called one of the first um, men's group meeting. We had like 60-some men. And it kind of was a miracle in that how come 60 men, uncoordinated, would bring 60 pots of beans 
Now, I'm, I'm not crazy about beans, but I like, I like maybe the bacon and the beans. So to be very grateful, I tried to t taste every one of those bean containers. It was better than the time when we had kind of a potluck at Deer River, and we had a number of individuals bring turtle stew. Turtle stew. Now, I don't want to spoil your appetite now, but I want you to recognize the reality and the greatness of this miracle. Miracle. It was a miracle of miracle. It was done publicly and before many witnesses. They realized that this was great, and I think we kind of underperform and underestimate this miracle that occurred. In the same power which at the beginning made the world out of nothing. In Genesis, made the world out of nothing, caused food to exist. Food to exist which before had not, had not existed. In the circumstances of the whole event made deception, made deception impossible. 5,000 hungry men would not have agreed that they were all filled. In the early days of farming, I still remember how the farmers would conduct their thrashing bees. And we'd have, we'd split up a thrashing machine. We had to kind of share our equipment. And normally um, one thrashing machine was shared by like 10 or 12 neighbors and then they'd alternate who would start it from year to year and we'd go from one farm to the other farm. I always remember the big breakfasts and the big dinners and suppers. And see, growing up in the farm, it was always correctly stated. You know, I think sometimes urban people get it wrong. Well, maybe they don't, don't work as hard as the rural people because they use the word lunch. No, it's dinner or it's, it's breakfast, dinner, and supper. Lunch was sometimes provided for by the women of the thrashing bees where they kind of bring in a small lunch. Whenever somebody says the word lunch, I think of just maybe just a, a, a small few items. It's always, say it with me, breakfast, dinner, and supper. 5,000 hungry men would not have agreed that they were all filled, as the scripture says, all filled if they had not received real, real food. And then, and then the scripture says 12 baskets, 12 baskets full of fragments would never have been taken up if, if real material loaves and fishes had not been miraculously supplied and multiplied. Say it with me, multiplied. Nothing in short can explain the whole transaction but the very finger of God. The very finger of God. And the same hand which sent manna from heaven in the wilderness to feed Israel was the hand which made five loaves, five loaves and two fishes supply the wants of as many as 15 to probably 20,000 individuals. The miracle before us is one among many proofs 
that with Christ, nothing is impossible. Say it with me. Nothing is impossible. The Savior of sinners, such as you and I, is almighty. According to Romans chapter 4, verse 17, he that calleth those things which be not, which be not, which be not as though they were. Sometimes we as Christians, we get kind of lost in our prayers. And I, I like those who write in and appreciate our prayers. Because we not only state the prayers, but we state what we expect the answers to be. We, we call things which be not as though they were, according to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. When he wills things, it shall be done. When Jesus commands a thing, it, it shall come to pass. When Jesus created light out of darkness, order out of disorder, strength out of weakness, joy out of sorrow, and food out of nothing at all, forever let us bless God. Bless God that it is so. We might well despair when we see the corruption we see so much corruption going on in the world today. It just seems to have multiplied the last seven or eight months. Sometimes Christians are putting their head under their basket. They, they don't realize what's going on. We might well despair when we see the corruption of, of human nature and current leaders and the desperate hardness and unbelief of, of the hearts if we did not know that there is a power, a power of Christ. And you might ask, you know, if you're biblically minded rather than worldly minded, you might ask the question, can these bones, these dry bones live? Can these dry bones live? Can, can any man or woman or boy or girl be possibly saved? Can any child or friend of ours ever become a true Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ? Can, can we ourselves, can we ourselves ever win our way through and to heaven, that promised land? Questions like this could never be answered if Jesus, if Jesus was not almighty. But thanks be to God, Jesus has all power in heaven and earth. And sometimes we only think in heaven rather than on earth. But Jesus lives in heaven for us, able to save to the uttermost. And therefore, therefore, we may have that hope. We may have that joy in Christ. We see for another thing in these verses a, a striking situation of Christ's ability Jesus' ability to supply the spiritual wants of humankind. The whole miracle is a picture. Is a picture, we see it as in a glass, some of the most important truths of Christianity. It is, in fact, a great actual parable of the glorious good news of Jesus Christ, the miracle worker. What is that multitude what is that multitude which surrounded our Lord in the wilderness? They were poor, they were helpless, 
and they were destitute of food. It's a figure of all humankind in the days and the world that you and I live in. We, we are company of, of poor sinners in the midst of a wicked world without strength or, or power to save ourselves, and, and sorely we are in danger of perishing, in danger of perishing from spiritual famine. Who is this gracious teacher? It's a gracious, a gracious teacher who had compassion on his starving multitude in the wilderness. And he said to his disciples, as Jesus would say to you and I today, give, give ye them a, to eat. Give ye them to eat. It is Jesus himself, ever pitiful, ever kind, ever ready to show mercy, even to the unthankful and the ungrateful and the evil and the those who are led in fake directions. And Jesus is not altered. Jesus is, not, is just the same today and tomorrow as he was some 2,000 years ago. He's high in heaven at the right hand of God. Jesus looks down on the vast multitude of starving sinners who cover the face of the earth. Jesus pities them. Jesus still cares for them. Jesus feels for their helplessness and their hopelessness and their need. And Jesus still says to his believing followers, Behold. Behold this multitude, give thee them to eat. What is that wonderful provision which Christ miraculously made for the famishing, the famishing multitudes before him? It's a figure of the gospel, the good news. Weak and contemptible as that gospel appears to many, and those who are being beheaded for it, and losing their members and their family. And I heard from one friend of mine, military friend, and I was privileged to be a part of the intel groups of many of our commanders and many of our generals, and I served with some great Christian men who always wanted Christians sitting around, around him and being guided and directed. One of the interpreters recently shared how those who were being left behind were providing pistols, pistols to their daughters. And the daughters were asked to make a decision, and many of them chose to shoot themselves rather than their assailants, rather than experiencing the ravages of being claimed to be a bride, they would commit suicide. Weak and contemptible, as maybe the gospel, the good news appears to many, it contains enough to spare and share for the souls of all Poor and despicable as the story of the crucified Savior seems to the wise and the prudent and the Christian worldview rather than the worldview, the religious view, the cultural view. Where do you fall? It's, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it according to Romans chapter 116. 
And what are, what are those disciples, what are those disciples who received the loaves and the fishes from Christ's hand and, and carried them to the multitudes till all were filled? You and I as messengers today, those who make this television and radio ministry present are, are kind of like the, those early disciples who seen those loaves transformed into multitudes of food and the fish transformed. We are the present day disciples and the followers of Christ making through our tithes and our offerings, making it possible to the multitudes that are listening by way of television and radio, making it possible. Your gifts and your prayers make it possible for our ministry to continue. You and I are a figure of all those faithful Christians, those preachers and teachers of the gospel that, that their word is simple and yet deeply important. Jesus is not called only the competent but he's called you and I to be available to be competent for Christ's sake the, um, the appointed ones were set before us the, the provision that Christ has made for their souls and of their own invention they are not commissioned to to give anything all that they convey to humanity must be from Christ's hands so long as they faithfully discharge their offices they may confidently expect that the master's blessing it's interesting when you think of Peter getting out of the boat he was walking fine until he took his eyes off of Christ and you and I, we, we walk pretty fine, in a fine line, until we take our eyes off of Christ. Many, no doubt, will always refuse to eat of the food that Christ has provided. But if ministers, if Christians offer the bread of life faithfully, the blood of those who are lost will not be required, required at their hands. And what, in closing, what are we doing ourselves? Have we discovered that this world that this world is a wilderness and that our souls must be fed with bread from heaven or we die eternally? Happy are they who have learned this lesson and have tasted by experience that Christ crucified, Christ crucified is the bread of life. The heart of all can never be satisfied with the things of this world. It's always empty and, and hungry and and thirsty and dissatisfied till it comes to Christ. It is only they who hear Christ's voice and, and follow Jesus and, and feed on Jesus by faith who were filled. Father God, this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, we are living in a very chaotic world where our eyes are focused on so much deception where even as the Bible says the very elect, the very Christians shall be led astray and as we see things falling apart all around us we know that they're falling into place 
Just as in Noah's days, Noah proclaimed, Noah was the first preacher, and he, he preached and he shared that a flood was coming, and people said, you know, the heavens had never dropped a raindrop. It was just kind of moisture every morning. But when the clouds began to separate and began to rain, and people realized that Noah was right, and they bent, imagine banging under the door of the ark. And, and the Bible says, God closed the door of the ark. We're living in a day and an age when it's probably all right to be religious, but not to be Christian. It's all right to have a worldview rather than a Christian view of society. And what are we doing ourselves? Have we discovered that this world is a wilderness and that our souls must be fed with bread from heaven? Or, or do we really realize we're dying eternally? Happy, the scriptures remind us, are they who have learned this lesson, have, have tasted by experience that Christ crucified is a true bread of life. The heart of all can never be satisfied with the things of this world. It's always empty and hungry and thirsty and dissatisfied till it comes to Christ. It is only they who hear Christ's voice and and follow Christ and feed on Jesus by faith who are filled. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio, as they pray to follow Christ more sincerely and to hear Christ's voice and to feed on Jesus by faith, we are to be filled. Would you pray with me this morning, out loud? Dear Jesus, help us to hear your voice. Help us to follow you truly. Help us to feed on you by faith so we can be filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We appreciate those who um, send in any offerings of support financially. We pray as you pray for us financially, we, we appreciate your prayer support, your financial support. And let us turn to our offertory prayer. And let us pray this offertory prayer together. Generous giving God, we offer our gifts to you in gratitude for all the blessings you rain down upon us. Your sunshine warms us, your earth feeds us, and your word nourishes us. More than these gifts of money, we give ourselves our time and our energy that we might be doers of your word and not hearers only. We pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. As the ushers come forward this morning, let us turn to our offertory hymn, Lord, whose love through humble service, purple number 581, please. Hymn number 581, purple hymnals, please.
you please stand with me for the doxology? God of power and might, through the ages you have reminded us through prophets and apostles that we are called. We are called to battle, not with one another, but against the powers of darkness and evil. It is this battle that seems children, since children to bed with empty bellies while others have so much food it damages their health. It, it's a battle that imprisons those whose only crime is poverty while those with more than they could ever spend, lose sleep, scheming how to get more. And we make our gifts to you this day. May we remember on which side we're on. In the precious, loving name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Are there any announcements? You'll want to make your way to the mic if you have an announcement concerning the church or question or concern in Mike. There's a sign I see being circulated here. He says it's early coffee hour. We're going to try and see how it goes this, this fall. He could serve a Sunday. We would appreciate it. Um, we're kind of encouraging maybe prepackaged snacks and juice boxes, and then we would provide coffee. Thank you. I think um, we can probably head off that list or take, you know, a Sunday. I'd like to bring up 